Today's scripture reading is from 2 Chronicles 14. And Abijah rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. Asa his son succeeded him as king, and in his days the country was at peace for ten years. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places and incense altars in every town in Judah, and the kingdom was at peace under him. He built up the fortified cities of Judah, since the land was at peace. No one was at war with him during those years, for the Lord gave him rest. Let us build up these towns, he said to Judah, and put walls all around them, with towers, gates, and bars. The land is still ours, because we have sought the Lord our God. We sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah, equipped with large shields and with spears, and 280,000 from Benjamin, armed with small shields and with bows. All these were brave fighting men. Zerah the Cushite marched out against them with a vast army and 300 chariots and came as far as Marashah. Asa went out to meet him, and they took up battle positions in the valley of Zephathath near Marashah. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely on you and in your name. We have come against this vast army. O Lord, you are God. Do not let men prevail against you. The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled, and Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell that they could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. The men of Judah carried off a large amount of plunder. They destroyed all the villages around Gerar, for the terror of the Lord had fallen upon them. They plundered all these villages, since there was much booty there. They also attacked the camps of the herdsmen and carried off droves of sheep and goats and camels. Then they returned to Jerusalem. Okay, so uh, nice to see all of you again. Um, I hope you enjoy the Lord's Supper. I think we're going to try another one at the first Sunday of January 2021. So um, let's be blessed again. Uh, we're commencing a new sermon series based on the narratives concerning Asa, one of the kings of Judah. Uh, his story is detailed in chapters 14 to 16 of the book of Second Chronicles. Uh, this section served uh, as our devotion time text on a couple of days this past week. Um, these stories appealed to me uh, in the sense that they demonstrated character development for Asa, uh, both in a good and a bad sense. Uh, the overarching theme of the series will be reliance, uh, dependence, reliance. The word rely or its cognates appear several times uh, in the chapters. For example, in 1414, 
He confesses, help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely on you. Indeed, uh, Asa relies on God pretty steadily in chapters 14 to 15. But in 16, instead of looking to God, he makes an alliance with one of his powerful neighbors, the king of Aram. And all, also, uh, Asa seems to even act in a self-reliant manner. I'd like to cover these chapters for the next four Sundays uh, via the following format or scheme. So, 11.22, we have, I'm not sure, is it projected? Okay, well, um, this Sunday, the title is Reliance Despite the Data, Chapter 14, and then two weeks on Chapter 15, Reliance on Conviction, uh, Reliance by Passion, and then the last one, sorry for the rhyme, Reliance in an Alliance. Okay. Alice, don't shake your head. All right, today's focus it will be on Asa's dependence upon God through several events or activities culminating in the victory of Judah over a numerically superior invading army from the land of Cush or Ethiopia. In today's uh, economic and business world, including the health sector and the political arena, data, right? Data has become very important. Some would say uh, even supre argue supremely important. Many economists will tell you that data can be more probative than anecdotal or testimonial information. People may say one thing, but their true beliefs and values can be more accurately reflected in, say, their credit card statements, right? where they spend their money, or the amount of time they expend uh, doing certain activities. They have mentioned the book uh, Freakonomics by uh, Stephen Levitt and Stephen Dubner, 2005 book. Their main argument is that uh, economics is at root a, uh, the study of incentives, why we do what we do, right? Uh, the, the draw, the, the choices, uh, the incentives that, that are given. And it talks a lot about data mining, right? using data, collecting information based on data. So I like chapter two of that book. Uh, it's, actually, it's about something called information uh, asymmetry information asymmetry. That, so that concerns interactions that take place where one party has more information than another. So a real estate agent or a car salesman, they know more about the product and also about the industry than we do and they'll take advantage of that. Or they may even abuse that information asymmetry because they fill you with fear that you're gonna lose a lot of money or lose this deal and so that pressures us to, to purchase. But the internet has leveled the uh, playing field becoming a great equalizer between consumers and experts and eliminating much of this asymmetry. Uh, it's also related to kind of what they call selective information. So we choose to give certain information about ourselves, our preferences, our transactions, and we want to influence the perception the way others um, perceive us. So they give a pretty good example about like in, internet dating sites, it's like old news now, but internet dating sites uh, was kind of new around that time. And they observed that in their profiles, uh, people overwhelmingly, almost all people when they put their profile, portray their looks as above average. <laughs> right? Everyone considers themselves above average, right? Um, also, they'll say something like, um, uh, they'll say that, Race doesn't matter, 
in terms of who they want to match up with. Race doesn't matter. But when you look at the people that they send their profiles to, 90% is of the same race. Right? So they say one thing, but they really maybe do or believe another. So some argue that uh, this is actually um, you know, more accurate than what people say. Anyway, you know, certainly data can be helpful in our trying to get things right, make solutions happen, and engage in best practices. But the life of faith, life of faith in God entails much more than that. Because we're relating to a living supreme being, right? God is a person. He's not a force. He's not a statistic. He's not something mechanistic. God has personality. He has a will. And he reveals himself uh, anthropomorphically through emotions and intention. So any attempt to have a real relationship with God must go beyond data. But I think many Christians, including myself, uh, tend towards a life of decisions and perspectives driven by more data or comparables or statistics rather than God's word. Uh, we rely on what we count as evidence and proof and supporting information, you know, albeit documentary or numerical. I think we, we think that's more objective. But, you know, it's been, it's been shown that all science has a subjective interpretive element. So it's not really more objective. You choose your belief that it's objective is very subjective. How about if I say it like that? We try to discern patterns and other means of interpreting empirical information in order to figure out what we want and what should be done. Okay, so again, to engage in data or information analysis, it can be prudent, uh, even necessary, uh, for us to live a, a wise life. But the problem is when, our, when data becomes our primary source of authority and influence, uh, this can get in the way of wanting, uh, of getting in the way of experiencing a vibrant walk uh, with God. Yeah, even, the, even in ancient times, numbers and statistics naturally played an important role in things like social dynamics and international relations. In this chapter alone, uh, Asa assesses the state of his kingdom based upon observations and patterns and trends. Those things aren't dispositive uh, for him. Right? They don't determine what he does or what he says or what he thinks. Actually, faith carries greater weight. So I think why his faith is worth studying is that he does not allow data to prevail over his walk with God. Asa's faith took priority over data, at least in, in chapter 14. Uh, let's see how uh, he... Asa prioritizes his faith in three types of activities uh, in this chapter. So uh, the first five verses, he purges, right? It's purging. That's the activity. He's purging the land of idols and, and idol, idolatrous practices. Then he does on, goes on a building program, verses 6 and 7. He's building. And then he's warring. I just thought that's a cool word that I would never say in any other context. Warring in verses 8 to uh, 15. So these are his activities. And I want to look at each one briefly. Uh, 
to see, yeah, is it data? Is it evidence? Is it theories? Or is it, you know, his, his faith, which prevails? And of course, my view is that it's always going to be his faith. So the first example where Asa prioritized his faith-based decision-making or the data-driven option over data-driven options is seen in his activistic purging of idol worship in his country. You know, Asa acted upon his obedience to God's command that the Israelites worship only Jehovah God and no other gods. You know, it's important to not only mentally or verbally express exclusive faith in God, but also we have to make it possible. We have to... Uh, arrange our lives or our situation, right? that the actions we take, our means of worship, need to reflect that internal conviction that only God is real. And the Israelites at various times paid only lip service to God, but they were constantly led astray in practice by the paraphernalia of the rituals and the actions endemic to the allegiance and devotion to other gods, like high places and shrines, as well as the detestable rites, R-I-T-E-S, right, which may have been very, very well may have included like prostitution. Uh, these were offensive to God, but the chosen people were constantly stumbled by the presence and accessibility of such venues and temptations, uh, institutions, right? Even if they wanted to stay true to God, the sheer saturation of such places uh, and people made their faith uh, effete. Accordingly, in addition to personal morality and obedience, you know, God judged the kings of Judah and Israel based on what they did with all of these other places, like the high places and the idols and stuff. So even if you were like personally devoted to God, if you didn't deal with this, God didn't consider you a faithful uh, king, right? Uh, Asa pleased God because he was a destroyer and perjurer of idolatrous uh, worship. Now, why I say that Asa practiced reliance despite the data, that's my title, right? Reliance despite the title, is because what he did must have been very unpopular with the people. Yeah, they preferred what is called syncretism, uh, the mixing of religious tenets and practices. They didn't want to espouse the exclusive, exp exclusive loyalty to God. They wanted a little bit of this and a little bit of that. They wanted to follow the popular and the trendy. They wanted to be like the other nations. They didn't want to stand out too much, at least as not, as not as much as God wanted them to. And so they didn't have the moral or political will to fully repent and cast off and disavow all of the non-Mosaic, non-acceptable worship. You know, had Asa taken some sort of public survey or a poll, right? that's big these days, he would have received very low approval ratings for doing what he did. Uh, it, contrary to any attempt to get the pulse of the people, Asa very undemocratically purges the land of all things that were uh, disgusting to God. And he even went as far as deposing his own grandmother, end of chapter 15, who was a ringleader for the abominable worship of Asherah. When it came to purifying the people and the land, Asa did not depend upon or even care for that matter what the popular sentiment was. He didn't care what the data was. Right? In that sense, I think Asa depended on God and no one else and nothing else for carrying out his policy of reform. We'll get to this more in chapter 15. Uh, let me go to the second event or set of events that demonstrate Asa's faith in God over mere data. 
And that's seen in the building up of various cities and fortified establishments that helped protect the nation of Judah. Um, Asa comments that because the Lord had granted peace and rest by keeping the other nations at bay, his people could work on building up key areas and cities. Now, if they're too preoccupied with incursions and, 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 and fighting and defending with like, boots on the ground, all that stuff against other aggressive armies, then they wouldn't be able to afford any opportunity or resources to build up the land, build up the cities. But Asa rightfully traces the staying hand of God to the fact that God was pleased with the Israelites' devotion. So in addition to like destroying all of the idolatrous practices, um, Asa led the people back to wholehearted devotion and seeking the Lord. So in Asa's mind, because of this, God was uh, giving them, granting them the time and the energy to build up uh, the cities. You know, normally um, in our day, development and urban planning, all that stuff, is a function of the market, right? Capital flow and other economic factors. But Asa is less interested in the financial situation or the housing market, you know? He doesn't care about that. By the way, a local realtor recently told me that it's a buyer's market in Manhattan and a seller's market everywhere else in the tri-state, free, free tidbit. Um, but Asa was interested in the pattern or direction that God was showing him. Even if all other systems and economic indicators and parameters you know, pointed towards one way, uh, like build, 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 Asa would have refrained until or unless God gave his approval. And then once received, even if all of those data and statistics suggested the opposite way, I believe Asa still would have gone against the grain. He would have chosen to follow God, not what uh, the numbers uh, told him. Last, the final event, which is the, the, the lion's share of the verses from chapter 14, showed that Asa relied on God more than metrics or data uh, it was through this battle against the aggressor army from Cush. Uh, when faced with the vast army and superior military technology, like 300 chariots, that was an innovation at that time, uh, Asa seeks the Lord's deliverance. You know, his sincerity and, uh, de and, and desperation, I think they're, they're notable. And he's even, even more so because it wasn't like Asa did not have access to resources. He had a large army, you know, almost 600,000 brave and strong fighting men, large shields, small bows, you know, spears, small shields, spears, bows, you know, all, all, that, all that good stuff could have, been, uh, could have been factored in, right? But Asa doesn't compare uh, apples to apples, as we might say. He does not strategize merely based on the strength of his own military ranks versus that of Cush. Had he been purely data-driven, uh, it is possible that he could have maybe taken on Cush based on his own strength. He could have relied on the power of his own military forces and, and not cried out to God. Right? Troop strengths, battle formations, terrain considerations. You know, this could have dominated his thinking, but they didn't. Because Asa knew, right, 
His faith taught him that it was the power of God which would accomplish the victory. Right? I would argue that even if he had more men than the army of Cush, he still would have prayed. He still would have cried out to God because this was an exercise of faith more than you know, the, the wise deployment of soldiers. I would say that it even seems that Asa ignored his own resources. Right? He doesn't ask for, can I just have about 100,000 reinforcements? No. He says, God, we're, we're going to die unless you deliver us. Right? Don't let these men, don't let mankind overthrow uh, your name. So in spite of any fighting men or weaponry, he shows right, this kind of crying out. His kind of, he expresses that they are helpless without God. I, th I think this is a, a real great description of faith. Right? Even if we have strength, even if we have good things going for us, we, we know better. We know that human-generated strength is ultimately immaterial. It's even a, an impediment at times to the real solution. God is the one who brings about the victory. So Asarip uh, demonstrates this kind of radical reliance on God. Instead of calculating, he cries out. And sure enough, God grants him a significant victory, a huge uh, defeat of the Cushites. They're, they're so crushed, right? The Cushites are crushed. Cushites. Um, they were routed to the point that they no longer ever became a threat, a future threat. They were decimated. And you know, they took a lot of plunder. Judah took a lot of plunder uh, as well. So here, uh, three examples of, I think, where Asa does not trust data or information over God. And uh, it has great impact uh, for the nation. Right? Things happen that no amount of human engineering, human diplomacy, uh, you know, could have uh, engendered. How about us? Now, well, you know, hear me, uh, I'm not uh, putting down data or info or evidence, these are important, but they're not the end-all be-all in a life of faith. So as we come to pray, uh, let's use some data analysis, right? Examine your life. Exam let me examine mine. Look back on your recent decisions. Review what governs your financial decisions. What are your uh, choices that you make? What are the counterparts to Asa's uh, purging, building, and warring for you, for me. Let's reflect.